You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to episode 65 of the Brilliant Out of Sports Podcast. My name is Dan Kurtz, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, the man of the myth, and always a legend, Aaron Riley. Aaron, uh, coming off a phenomenal Super Bowl uh, from the Rams and Bengals, Super Bowl 56, maybe. I know we got this wrong or didn't know it at all last week, but I believe it's Super Bowl 56, almost as many podcast episodes as we have. Uh, but yeah, back with another Full Super Bowl recap episode. I think our favorite time of year is is talking all things Super Bowl, NFL playoffs, and things like that. Excited to bring, obviously, a full game recap to you all. But, Aaron, before we get into it, all things Super Bowl, um, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good, man. It's, it's bittersweet because it's, it's the biggest game, but now now it's over for, for quite some time. So, yeah, definitely definitely excited to get into it. And uh, very close game, you know, very almost down to the wire, you could say. So, uh, excited to get into it. Beautiful. Excited to get into it. Um, just as excited as Bengals fans were for their team to get back to the Super Bowl, even though they'll never be there ever again. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Rams take this one by three points. Uh, I think a lot of betters out there had Rams at, or I should say Bengals at four points, four and a half points. So those folks, I think including you, Aaron, obviously smiling ear to ear uh, as they go from Super Bowl Sunday into their week here. Uh, side note, I think, I think the Monday after the Super Bowl is like, one of the hardest days to go back to work. I, I mean, I kind of feel like it's harder to go back to work after the Super Bowl than it is like a New Year's holiday, Christmas, Thanksgiving, like whatever. I feel like I would put it over all of those other holidays in terms of, you know, my lack of wanting to go back to work afterwards. Oh my goodness. I mean, even, even if you're on the winning side of things, like if you're a Rams fan, like you, you just want to keep celebrating and, and enjoying the moment because as you know, it just goes so fast and then you're into another season. So and especially like if you're on the losing side of things, that that's hard to it's hard to get yourself up in the morning. So I, I agree. I, you know, neither one of us are fans of these teams, but it's still like it is a hard hard hill to climb to to get over it and, and get back to like, all right, well now it's it's back to work and that there's no football for for quite some time, unfortunately. I know, I know. It's it's almost and and this upcoming Monday is President's Day. I know that's. I think it's a federal holiday. A lot of people have off. Um, a lot of people don't have off. So I think the NFL hopefully starts a week later, you know, maybe on next year, but in the future, everyone obviously stretches that NFL season out to the president's day Monday. Everyone gets off, et cetera. I know some companies out there do like to 
you know, 11 a.m., 12 p.m. start time, you know, a little half day, a little two hour delay action, a couple hour delay action, which is always, always nice. But I think as, as a nation, we just need to take off altogether on Super Bowl Monday, much like uh, the Bengals ended up taking off uh, with like the last few minutes ago in the fourth quarter. Uh, oh. ultimately, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, sorry from the beginning. Uh, I think we'll get, we'll get into, I think, all things Super Bowl. Everything that happened in the game, player performances, coach performances, halftime performances, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I think there was a point in time where I thought the Bengals were going to run with this game. I think the turning point was obviously one, uh, being Odell Beckham Jr.'s injury, two, uh, being the T. Higgins um, no-call 75-yard touchdown to start the second half. I think without Odell, the offense with the Rams just had a lot of trouble getting going. For some reason, McVay kept calling back-to-back-to-back-to-back run plays, which made no sense to me. I think I saw a stat where Cam Akers had, like, the worst playoff performance. (laughs) I think he was, like, negative in terms of yards per carry, and that's just a testament to, obviously, the the Bengals' defensive line, and we'll get into the Rams' defensive line performance a little bit later. But um, And then I I think the Bengals, consequently, too, like, obviously, I mentioned the T against touchdown. A couple spurts, they had the fake, uh, the Philly special. Joe Mixon to the touchdown pass there. I believe it, it was to Boyd. Um, so they were doing some trickery on their own. But outside of that, I, I feel like they didn't have much uh, success moving the ball. So kind of an inter- interesting offensive game for, for both teams, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. I thought, like, early on, uh, I think the, the Rams went up. It was like uh, they missed the extra – or they went – they dropped that extra point, basically. Like, the holder dropped the snap. Then they tried to throw it in the Rams – uh, on that front and and it was like 13 to 3 and you know it kind of took me back to a, a lot of people saying like you know this game might be you know not not close at halftime I was a little bit worried about that obviously and then the Bengals come down and and you know make it a, a close contest at, at half um, yeah it, it was one of those games like we kind of talked about it off air where you know it, it didn't really feel like anybody was you know surging ahead uh, especially after the Bengals made it close in the second um, it was really who's going to hold on, who's going to, like, not make a crucial mistake. And and really, I, I'm not going to put at least one of the picks that Stafford threw on, on Stafford, but that pick to start the second half, like, basically the sequence of the play, that, that changed momentum, like, drastically in the moment. And I thought, you know, that was the Bengals' game to win at that point. And the Rams were, were kind of playing a game similar that, that, that they've played, you know, in the playoffs where – they just turned the ball over carelessly, whether it's, you know, a receiver dropping a ball, somebody fumbling the ball, just a lot of turnovers in, in second halves of games, like against the 49ers, against um, Tampa that really, you know, could have cost them in those weeks. And and kind of the same thing here. It, it was kind of like a story story of, of their entire postseason and, and of their, the, the entire season, really, with, with the amount of turnovers. But they, they just did enough, man. And, and you mentioned Odell going out. I think that was huge. Uh to keep the Bengals in the game. Obviously they don't have the, the best secondary by any means. And, and you were kind of seeing them get it absolutely exposed. Um, I mean, Cooper cup ended up getting MVP, but you know, he kind of got off to, you could say a relatively slow start for, for who he is. It was really the Odell Odell Beckham show and, and you know, him going down was, was, you know, crucial to, to the Rams. So um, good game. Nevertheless, I just thought, in the third quarter, it was the Bengals game to win, and they just didn't make enough plays, uh, you know, in the moment. Yeah, didn't make enough plays in the moment. Yeah, like you said, they didn't make enough plays when 
they really needed to. Um, I think, you know, they, I would have loved, and Aaron and I were touching on this, I think, you know, off air, like about Joe Mixon in the run game and, and the success they've had this season, especially with the checkdowns and things like that. And not to, you know, stretch this game forward, but that last play, last couple of plays of the game, you know, you have Samaje P. Ryan out there for the last diseffort when, you know, Mah- uh, I almost said Mahomes and Burrow gets spun around by Donald. And then the ball lands like two yards in front of Perrine. And then the play before that, you get stuffed on a third, third and one, I believe it was. Um, so you'd have to think that, you know, it's almost like a Marshawn Lynch situation. Like why was Mixon not in the game at, at that point? And, and, you know, everyone's going to question Zach Taylor. I feel like even though, you know, he got to a Super Bowl, people are still going to question him just because of the lack of success they've had prior to this. And this year is like, such an anomaly and I hope for this sake they're like perennial for, for their sake they're like perennial contenders um but I think it's easy to like in hindsight you know kind of shit on the fact that you know these these decisions and in, in, in hindsight like honing on the decision that these coaches made that ultimately led to like their loss or, or something like that and in turn I think if if McVay and the Rams ended up losing obviously it looked that way after the second half and the turning points that Aaron mentioned um I think he would be getting shit on severely uh, very heavily after after this loss, but again, it's sometimes it's a bounce here, it's a bounce there, it's an injury here, it's a non-injury there that can really turn around a game. And I think in a in a winner take all game like the Super Bowl, with all the mystique, with all the fanfare, with all the pressure, um, sometimes the better team doesn't win. It's just who ultimately makes the least amount of mistakes. And I think at the end of the day, like the Rams' defense buckled down severely in the fourth quarter. We'll get to like the Rams' defensive line dominance over that offensive line. But at the end of the day, like their defense held up in the fourth, they were able to put some more points back on the board with Cooper cup going supernova on that last drive. And that's ultimately what it came down to. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, I was, I was extremely pleased that how the Bengals, you know, hung in there, like after the, you know, the first quarter, I was feeling a little uneasy for, for Cincinnati. Like I was, I was definitely pulling for them. It, it felt like, I mean, coming in and, and even, you know, after the game, the Rams really on paper have no excuse to lose this game. Like they are just yep. at every position they're loaded. Um, there are clear holes on the Bengals and for the Bengals to hang in there and make this such a tightly contested game. And, and like I said, you could argue that, that the Bengals lost this game in the third quarter more so than the Rams won it. But you, you, when, when you bring up the defensive line, when you bring up the, the fact that the defense just said, you know, we're not, we're not letting you pass you know, we'll let you get a first down or two, but there's like, you're not going to score in the fourth quarter. And that's exactly what happened. And on that last, that last stand where, you know, they get stood up on the run and then they go forward on fourth and one and, and Burrow literally has maybe half a second to get rid of the ball. And he <laughs> just throws it, you know, in some type of like sidearm motion type of deal, which like, like I, like Daniel and I talked about this. I mean, the, the guy should have caught it. Um, you know, in my opinion, I mean, I, I the ball was yeah. so close that like you gotta you gotta make every effort in the world to catch that, especially because your quarterback's just getting absolutely obliterated, like to the point where it's like it's a, it's amazing that he didn't have to come out of this game. I mean, both quarterbacks were were getting evaluated at one point, but I mean, Burrow as as much younger as as he is than Stafford, like you gotta feel like for sure he's in he's feeling it more to you know the last couple of days than, than Stafford. I mean, Stafford got touched a couple of times. He, I think he got sacked like a handful of like, uh, bring research department got me here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Two. Yeah. Stafford was sacked twice and Burrow was sacked seven times. 
Burrow kind of has that. Uh, he almost has that Brady Brady esque uh, aspect to him, where he like he never seems to get absolutely like rocked to the point. But yeah. um, obviously, we we touched on that that one sack where he got that you know he got twisted around and, and his leg. I mean, moved in in ways that it should never never ever move. So yeah, I mean, it, it's the Bengals put up a hell of a fight. I'll say that and and. I, I picked them to win last week, and I, I really, in the third quarter, I felt actually pretty good about it. And like you said, Sean McVay would, would have no excuse for me to lose this game. Like, they, they had every advantage coming in. They, they were even in their home stadium, so. <laughs> yeah, it would have been an all-time collapse, I think. And not, not to say that the Rams were up, up by a lot. And um, I think they, there would have been some built-in excuses. I think if the Rams had lost, everyone would be talking about Odell Beckham and that ACL injury, which another injury for Odell obviously sucks. Like he's had his fair share of injuries and I feel like he's still super young. Um, only been playing for like, I don't know, I guess, you know, I guess we're going on like eight, nine years. Never mind. I feel like he's still so young. I just, time has passed me by in life, not just in, in football years, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think like that, that was sort of a built in excuse, but to, to your point to have that, you know, Ramsey, Donald defense, and then obviously like Stafford cup, you know, they're missing their tight ends, but you got acres, Michelle, um, even, even those guys didn't really do much. I mentioned the run game was abysmal. Um, through, and it just seemed like McVay constantly and time and time again, just going back to the run game, um, trying to get something established because he didn't want to rely on, you know, probably Cup and Stafford, you know, and, and Van Jefferson and the guy Skoranek who, who had an all time drop, which is hilarious. A seventh round guy named Skoranek is, is kind of funny that when Al Michaels and uh, Chris Collinsworth were talking about, or maybe it was Michelle Tavoy at halftime. Was like, oh, you know, yeah, Skoranek's got to step up here. It's like, well, it, well, will he? Like, probably not. It's Odell Beckham Jr. versus a guy named Skoranek, who you basically pulled off the scrap heap to suit up for this goddamn game. Um, so, I mean, that as soon as Odell went down, that was like a clear momentum shift. And we talked about, um, you know, the pick and then obviously the 75-yard touchdown to Higgins. But um, I think you got to give credit to Stafford and, and Cooper Cup. Like, I, I feel like on offense – there was a good stretch there in the third and then into the fourth quarter where they were doing absolutely nothing and then seemed to pull them back from the brink of death to basically scrape together some nice drives. And um, that last drive in particular when Cup had like, you know, I think it was like 40 yards and like, you know, five or six catches on that drive alone to take home MVP was absolutely insanity. And I think ultimately the reason he got MVP was because of that last drive. But in general, I think, you know, talking about how they hand out MVP awards in the Super Bowl, did you think that, Cup was deserving, and do you think it should have went to Stafford or maybe even Aaron Donald? Yeah, I I'd almost argue that. I mean, it, it's tough, man. I, I think MVP is one of those things that's like you can make justifiable cases for any of them, um, but like to me, it's like who made the most impact um, when it mattered, and and like you can make a, a clear cut case for Cooper Cup, but in my mind, I really do think it was Aaron Donald because yeah. You know, Without without Aaron Donald on that line, let's just say he he exits he exits the game or he's not on the Rams at all, and and, and Burrow's out there. I mean, really, other than Von Miller, I mean, I know there's a a handful of guys. I'm just drawing a blank on their names and things, but um, like Donald is that driving force, uh, and Donald is just a handful. I mean, you saw him double him most of the game. And then, like, he would get free. And, like, almost every time he did get free, like, he knocked Burrow down or he sacked him or, you know, it was just always – he was all over the place. He was just making plays all over the field. So, to me, I think it's Aaron Donald that had the most impact on them 
like winning basically because I mean if Stafford wanted to go to Van Jefferson, I'm sure he could have got him open or, or like take yep. your pick, you know, type of deal because I mean you could argue the Bengals' best corner maybe Eli Apple. I don't know. I mean <laughs> it's just all of them aren't very good. Um, there's not like a standout. There's not like a stud on that on that secondary in my mind. So um, yeah, Stafford. You know he played good. He, there were times where I was. You know, I was thinking like, you know, this is he, he might piss this game away, like whether it was his fault or not. Like, people, you know, obviously you bring up Skoranek. That was a colossal mistake. I mean, the, the kid's probably, you know, shitting himself out there. He's in the Super Bowl. He's a seventh round draft pick. Like comes in first ball is thrown to him, bounces right off his hands for, for an interception. That's about as bad as it can get. But I mean, there, there were times where. You know, I was thinking Joe Burrow is just more calm, cool, collected than, than Stafford. And and I just – Burrow's decision-making is one of the best I've ever seen, especially for such yeah, a young yeah. kid. Like, Stafford has questionable, I'll say, decision-making. Like, he's a, he has a hell of an arm, and I think that gets him out of he's, – he's almost like a Brett Favre to me in that aspect. Like, his arm talent is so good that it gets him out of a lot of, you know, throws that he shouldn't make. But, like, Burrow is that guy that, like – awareness he's like a 99 on Madden like he's he's aware of, of everything going on um but yeah long long story short and that was a hell of a tangent it didn't make much sense but Aaron, Aaron Donald I think uh for my money I think he he slowed Burrow down he got Burrow off the field when it mattered at the end of the game and and really he sealed the deal so for me it's Aaron Donald but you can argue any any of those guys um for that for that matter yeah, it, um, no, it's. I think it's a great point. I, I think everyone would have been happy if it was Stafford, if, if it was Cup, obviously it was Cup, or if it was Donald. I mean, I, I would I would argue that Odell probably would have won it if he had stayed healthy. He was having yeah. a monster first half. Um, R.I.P. to Shannon Sharp was tweeting, you know, he had the over on the 62 yards for Odell and then legitimately tweets seconds before he goes down with an injury and is out of the game. Uh, I think Drake had Rams money line, Odell, to score a touchdown, which he obviously did, and then, you know, over the 60 yards, which was cut short by the injury. But, um, yeah, I, I think I would say Stafford just because, like, the offense went through went through tough stretches, obviously not moving the ball, especially when Odell went out. And then we mentioned the, the lack of a run game several times already in this episode. Um, but I think just, like, the lack of, like, receiver talent they had, you know, outside of Cup, and then, like, even Van Jefferson, like, w- wasn't really making guys met, miss as much. And, I saw a couple clips on Twitter of, of uh, you know, Stafford making the no-look passes in the fourth quarter in that last drive. I think um, all, all game long, he, he was just in command, I thought. It, obviously, there were some times where the offense wasn't doing great, had some three outs. But ultimately, I think it was probably more of a chess game, and um, some of it was the offense just setting up for the defense for their preferred looks later on in the game once the defense got tired and, um, yeah, despite – and you mentioned the lack of, like, playmakers the Bengals have in their secondary. And there's not a guy out there who got torched more than Eli Apple, you know, got torched uh, after the Super Bowl on Twitter, which is absolutely hilarious to see. But um, I think despite the lack of playmakers, that that defense, that defensive coordinator do a great job there in Cincinnati. Um, and despite all that, I think Stafford was able to still – command the offense, um, make the right plays when they needed to be made, and then ultimately, you know, got them to win. And, and Cup obviously is the one getting open, which isn't easy, uh, especially when they're probably double and almost triple teaming you every play. Um, and then Aaron Donald, too, obviously, like the best player in the league, I would say. Um, 
you know, probably pound for pound at his position, uh, the way he's able to impact a defense. I mean, there was clips of him looking like he was pushing a sled of weights that was, you know, weighed like five pounds and he was pushing a 350 pound lineman into Joe Burrow to sack him, which was absolutely crazy. So even him, him himself was getting double team, triple team. So I definitely don't hate the argument of, of Aaron Donald. And I thought ultimately all three are probably deserving of, of some recognition for sure. I'll, uh, I'll throw a curveball at you, man. It's, it's, it's relative, but uh, it's a little, a little off schedule as far as the Super Bowl is concerned. Did you, a couple of Tom Brady things Did you see Tom Brady say like, you know, um, it's not for certain, like I'm retired for one. And then do you think, I'll, I'll ask you this question. I just see uh, on Bleacher Report, it pops up. It says, Nick's, Nick, he's talking about Matt Stafford. He's smoking a cigar, uh, drinking a, a alcoholic beverage. I'll say that. Uh, <laughs> Tom Brady says, mix in a water, Matt, dot, 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 trust me. Do you think this guy just can't, he, he, he can't like uh, stay away from the spotlight? He, like, He's almost a little bit envious that he's not obviously the guy right now and, and everything considered. Like, I just feel like he can't, he can't come to, to grips with reality, like that he's actually retired or, or that like, you know, maybe people aren't saying his name 25,000 times a day anymore. I, I don't know. That's my feeling on it. That's my take on it, but I, I'd love to, to hear what you think about that. Selfish in uh, every sense of the word is, is Mr. <laughs> Tom Brady. I mean, as the, Self-proclaimed all-time Tom Brady hater. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, he, he, this is a guy we've been talking about since the year of 2001 when Aaron and I were five years old, which is crazy to think that his reign of terror has lasted this long. But, I mean, at, at the end of the day, like, it's it's probably, I mean, Le, you know, when LeBron misses the playoffs this year, I mean, when he missed the playoffs, I think it was like 2018 when it was basically him and Kuzma and Ingram and, like, no one else on that team. Like, he was still tweeting and – try to make things about him and, and all that stuff. I think when you're just accustomed to being at the top of the sport, at the top of a mountain like that, especially um, in the most popular sport in a country, which the NFL is obviously the most popular sport in, in America, I would say, in terms of just fandom and obviously, you know, fans and, and watching and whatnot. Um, I think it definitely gets you a little bit. And he probably saw some of the, the outcry, you know, after he retired of people wanting him to come back, obviously he had a, really good statistical season at the age of 44, which is unheard of. So um, he knows in the back of his mind, he can still play. I think there's some family considerations going on there with him and his wife and his kids that he wants to be more present at home, which makes sense. He should have made that decision five years ago. He's basically stunted the growth of his kids by not being present, which is obviously make him, makes him a terrible father. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, like I said, he's been at the the top of the sport since the early 2000s. Um, and for him, obviously winning a Super Bowl last year, getting that vindication of getting out of the shadow of Bill Belichick in New England, I think um, was probably all he needed to, to really be satisfied with his, foot, with his football career. But I don't think he's going away. I think, um, I, I pray to God that he stays retired. But in, in terms of like the media and things like that, I can see him having a similar career to a guy like A-Rod. Um, who's been able to rehab his image since obviously all the steroids stuff happened back in like 2016, 2015 in, in that range. But yeah, to, to answer your question in short, I, I would say that he just wants the spotlight to be on himself. And uh, I don't think that'll ever change. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I, I know he's your, your guy, at least one of your favorite basketball players, LeBron, but I, I draw comparisons between like them two guys. Like it's always, they always have to be in the spotlight, like no matter what. And, and, I'm getting to the point where it's like Brady is is 
irritating me even more so than LeBron nowadays. Um, it's just like, dude, if you're retired, please just go away. Like, you don't got to comment on everything sports related. Easy for me to say, obviously, like I've never been in the spotlight. Uh, you know, I've never, I've never been the quarterback in the NFL and, and so forth. But like, come on, man, like give it, give it a little bit. Let somebody else enjoy their moment for, you know, a year or two for Christ's sakes, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have great stories with Matt Stafford, obviously getting there for the first time. And I think it was his first, you know, playoff win was, or, or maybe second playoff win, I should say. But, um, you know, interestingly enough, Mark Sanchez actually led the 2009 quarterbacks class in wins until this this reign of terror of, uh, yeah. of Matt Stafford, which is kind of funny. But, yeah, I mean, a, a good story in Joe Burrow, an up-and-coming guy who um, is going to, you know, probably take the place of Ben Roethlisberger and just being a staple in that AFC North division. And then Matt Stafford, too, great for him to get out of a net organization to get into the capable arms of Sean McVay, Les Snead and the Los Angeles Rams organization. So I think the story should be focused on that. And, and there's been, I mean, we talked about it last week on our, our show, Aaron, about Matt Stafford, you know, I'll change the conversation to him and um, just about hall of fame stuff. And, you know, I feel like there's always a talk about Matt Stafford can't win the big game or, you know, can't get his team to the Super Bowl or, you know, doesn't have what it takes to lift up his teammates. And now every time, you know, this guy gets a big win or plays well, we're just moving the goalposts, you know, further and further back. And now the, the talk is, oh, you know, Matt Stafford won't make make the Hall of Fame. It'll be a participation trophy if he does type of thing, which is absolutely insane to me. Um, but I think we should just credit a guy who, like, like I said before, has been in the depths of hell in, in Detroit and, and has obviously, you know, eaten out of the dumpster, but is now, tasting the caviar and champagne up with the Rams and obviously winning a Super Bowl. So uh, I guess a, like, do you think like the, the kind of backlash that I guess not backlash, but just outcry of, of, you know, hall of fame haters, you know, not wanting Stafford in is, is kind of ridiculous. I feel like we should just be focusing on how good of a season he had and, and where he can go from here since he obviously has a good, probably four to five years left in the tank. I just don't get it, man. Like he, the, the guy, he just seems like a, you know, an average guy. Like, he doesn't seem like he he needs the whole spotlight to be about him, this and that. And, like, all these people are just coming after him and, and like, making a big deal out of, like, his personal accolades and, and what have you. Like, like the guy just won a Super Bowl, you know, two, three days ago. You know what I mean? It's, like, in my mind, like, just I, I don't know why it always has to be such an issue where it's, like, I, I know it's, it's all for debate and, and you know, that's how the media and, and like these sports networks and, and stuff draw in, draw in viewers and listeners and what have you. But it's like, dude, just give the guy a rest, like give him a break. Like you said, he, he played in arguably like the worst organization for, for what, nine, 10 years. Um, yep. Got banged up. I mean, I know he played through so many injuries. Um, it, it's like, just give, give the guy a rest. Let, let him enjoy the Super Bowl victory like he, he finally gets on a good team the first year with a good team he you know no matter how he played this and that like he he did enough to get them to to win and on the biggest stage so I I think you know we can have that debate no matter what for sure I'm always down for it it's just like for like I sent you a Richard Sherman quote and yep. it's like dude, just the guy literally just won the Super Bowl like just can he not enjoy that you know what I mean it's all these guys are extremely privileged and, 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 you know, they work their ass and, and they're off and, and they're extremely talented to be there. But it's like, you got to think this guy was like that, that to go from a, a situation like that and 
always being underappreciated to, to winning a Super Bowl. And then immediately it's just like there's people that have to be haters and, and have to say, well, you know, he, he's a result of being on a good team or he has one Pro Bowl. And I know that and, and you know, whatever. But the, I, the guy, he's a great quarterback. Like he, he's so you can make the case why he is a Hall of Famer. You can make the case why he's not. I get I get both sides of the coin, but I mean, to me, it's just like leave, leave the guy alone for for let him enjoy it at least for the off season. Yeah, I know. It's, I don't know, man. I mean, the guy's just trying to go to Disneyland and have fun with his family, and he's catching strays left and right of <laughs> guys like Richard Sherman, who hopefully will never make the Hall of Fame. You know, saying it's a participation trophy and. I mean, yes, the, the passing stats of the last 10 years and inflated stats that, you know, guys have nowadays is, is obviously – I mean, he came into the NFL at, at the right time for his skill set. Obviously, a guy that can sling the rock, has one of the best arms I've ever seen and can be mobile as well. And, and obviously, had a guy in Calvin Johnson who he was throwing to for a number of years. So, that's obviously going to pad your stats there. But at the end of the day, like, he's the one throwing the football. Like, someone's not throwing the ball f- for him and, and talking about – participation trophies and things like that. Like this guy just had just won a ring and had a phenomenal season and probably is another phenomenal five seasons left in him, especially with a good team in, in, in the Rams. And we'll have Cooper cup next year. We'll have Van Jefferson, Robert Woods will be back. Hopefully they can sign Odell. I think that'd be phenomenal. Just a three headed monster of receivers there. Hopefully both those guys are healthy, Robert Woods and Odell to start the season next year. So I think the sky's the limit from where he can go right now. And, and yes, it's very hard to get back to the Super Bowl, but, um, if I had to bet money on who's going to get back to a Super Bowl, you know, next, I would, if, if it's between Joe Burrow and, you know, Matt Stafford, I'd probably have to say Matt Stafford just based off of his situation. So to take away from you know, all, all that he's accomplished and endured, it just makes absolutely no sense to me. And, you know, a guy like Richard Sherman should be the one to talk since, you know, Seattle was a one hit wonder back in the day. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. Did he, I, I can't remember. Uh, did he play a lot for the 49ers in the postseason? I, I, this year? Yeah, this year. He's yeah. on he's on the Bucks now. Oh, um, see, see, that's how so, irrelevant he is to me. That's uh probably answers your question right there. <laughs> totally, totally forgot. See, that guy is just like ever since he left the Seahawks, I'm like, who is you know what I mean? He, he's nearly irrelevant to me. And I, I don't think many people look at him the same way. So it's like, I don't know, man. Like I, there there's been times where like Richard Sherman, you know, he he sh- shut up. Crabtree and, 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 you know, he, he showed out in the biggest of stages, but what's he a result of that defense? Like you can make that case too. Like for, for him just to be, that's just a dickhead move to me, man. That, that's just, that's out of pocket for sure. No doubt. He's just trying to get clicks for his podcast and media career. He's, he's done playing. He's hanging them up. He's just trying to get in the hot take game, just like Steven. Is. So I guess I can't fault him for it. Speaking of hot takes, uh, Aaron, let's let's hear your thoughts on this uh, halftime show. Pretty good overall. I mean, it, it was uh, quite a lot going on. That the, the fifty cents dropped, like, literally dropping in. No pun intended. Incredible, incredible. <laughs> Pretty dope. Uh, didn't expect that at all. Like that was obviously the, the most surprising, but uh, it was entertaining for sure. I, I definitely wasn't. It wasn't boring. Uh, Dan, Dan and I talked about this off air. Like, is it one of the best of all time? Like. To me, for me, I, I don't know. I, you know, it's hard. Like, like music is, is opinionated. I mean, you can make a case it's one of the most entertaining ones. But, um, yeah, it was it was entertaining. For Entertainment value was definitely definitely high. Um, I told 
I also told Dan, like, I, I wish they would have let Eminem go a little bit longer. I thought he actually <laughs> brought the house down when he went. Uh, but, you know, it, it was cool. It was definitely different. Um, I thought this whole stage setup was was awesome. Uh, I think that was one of the, the coolest things they, they've done. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's it's Los Angeles. So, you know, Snoop Dogg ha- obviously had to, had to lead the charge there. Yeah, I mean, it, it was uh, – the production value was, I think, really, really good. Um, the, the whole time I was just thinking that, like, if you were sitting in that stadium on the opposite side of the way that the stage was, was set, I mean, you were absolutely screwed, which is hilarious. Usually they're, like, in the middle of the field and they're, you know, running through all, all ends of the stadium and things like that. You have know, Lady Gaga, like, literally jumping from the rafters to get down to her stage. So, like, they just completely cut off one side of the stadium, which is hilarious, but – uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I thought it was one of the better ones. And Aaron and I kind of ran through some of the, of, of our favorites on last week's show. And definitely tops your, like, Bon Jovi, The Who, you know, I would even put them above, like, a U2, which was actually a pretty good one from back in the day. But um, is it my favorite? Probably not. Um, is it is it top ten? I, I definitely would say so. Um, I mean, things – it's tough because you have to grade them on a curve. Like, it's a live performance. It's in the middle of a game. Uh, it's the biggest sporting event of the year, and I think everyone is expecting so much. Um, and, and if it can entertain you and satisfy you in that respect, then I think it's a good halftime show. I'm not going to you know, say any bad things about it. It's to pull all those moving pieces together to have five different artists perform, six perform at once is, is in crazy. It's crazy, like, logistically. Um, so I think just for them to pull it off, and it was still entertaining. And Dr. J running the show, Snoop there, obviously. Like Eminem was phenomenal. I thought Kendrick was really good too. Um, I thought he definitely increased increased the you know performance there for sure. But um, yeah, I think it was one of the one of the good ones. But I wouldn't say it was like you know fucking all time or anything like that. Well, that's a that's a hot take, man. You, I think you're going against the grain right now because well, it's re- well, it's recency bias. Everyone's like, holy shit, like that was the coolest <laughs> fucking show I've seen. It's like, well. You know, I don't even remember who performed. I mean, last year was the weekend. Like, whoa, whoa, that, that, yeah, yeah. The weekend was, you know, I mean, a fifth grade talent show compared to to oh. compared to, to the last the, the show we just saw. So uh, I don't really think comparing it to the weekend is is really making a dent in your argument at all. Damn, absolutely, just cutting the throat of the weekend. Just absolutely. Hey, it wasn't it wasn't you. good. It wasn't good. I'll, I'll be the first one to say that. <laughs> hey, I mean. Uh, you know, you know the, the old saying about opinions. They're like uh, they're like rear ends. I'll say I'll say it the PG thirteen way. Uh, <laughs> one. But yeah, I mean, I, it's gonna be interesting. Like now that they went this route, like obviously it was a an all hip hop, all rap show. Like where do they yeah. do they go? Like the complete opposite side of the spectrum next year. Like do they go like to a, like a BTS One Direction? Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> I, I I was just reading uh. Like Taylor Swift is one of the people. I I don't know. It's all speculation, you know. It's, it's yeah. But um, you know, do they, do they go that route? Do they go like Drake's Drake's rumored? And I said that this year that you know they, it's only a matter of time probably before he he's just such a big big name and uh you know, global global icon type of guy. Um, I think you know obviously they they shoot the shot to try and get him one of these years. Um, but I don't know, man. It'll be interesting like where they go from here because. That was like such a West Coast feel to that to that performance. That I mean, it kind of yeah. like fit. Um, next year, it's in it's in Arizona, so I mean, still you're still West Coast, but it's not Los Angeles. Like it's a whole different, obviously, vibe, culture, that type of thing. But um, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know, man. It'll be interesting. I, I was impressed with it, don't get me wrong. I, I just think, like, obviously people get caught up in the hype no matter what, like, good, bad, or indifferent. Like, it's the same thing with the Stafford thing. Like, as soon as it's over, now people are, are saying, you know, was is Stafford a Hall of Fame or is this one of the best all-time halftime show? It's, it's all for discussion. Like, I, I just – I think it's somewhere, like, you know, it wasn't the best. It obviously wasn't the worst. Like, it was just – it was yeah. cool. Like, I mean, it was, it was, it was all right. No, it was, enter- it was entertaining. And that's all you can ask for out of, out of one of those. I, I think I was just confused um, by the weekend's performance last year. So I think anytime you don't confuse me and you entertain me, you, you get a W in my book, a little check plus in my book. And um, yeah, your, your, your point about LA is well taken. Like I think they went above and beyond obviously getting Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg. I mean, like, Mary J. Blige even, like, getting her to come back. Like, I, I think it w- that was probably more of just an L.A. thing. I would assume next year they'll go back to the one artist. And, and yeah, hopefully it is a Drake. And I could definitely see a Taylor Swift. I'm surprised, you know, both of those haven't been Super Bowl acts. I just feel like the Super Bowl halftime show has been synonymous with just, you know, the big-time acts. Um, and I, I feel like 10 years ago that wasn't the case. So I guess good on them for building legitimate marquee events. Um, but – yeah, I'm interested to see where they go next year because I think it'll be very hard to top moving forward for sure. Yeah, man, it's the it's the biggest stage with the you know you try and get the biggest artists, but uh, man, just going right back at the weekend again, it's relentless. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I I uh, you you can't get anything by me when it comes to the entertainment take. So I'll tell you that for sure. Um, any other final thoughts on Super Bowl, Aaron, before we clean up some other topics today? I think so, man. I mean, um, yeah, I, I'm thinking I'm about, about filled on, on the Super Bowl, about, about as exhausted of it as I can be, just, just to the fact that it's unfortunately not the way I wanted it to end, but, but it, was, it was good nevertheless. I'll say that. It was, it was good nevertheless. Yeah, it wasn't a snooze fest. It wasn't a Seattle, you know, Broncos 2013 slug fest. Um, it wasn't one of the best Super Bowls I've ever seen. Um, I think it was certainly more entertaining than last year's that 31 to nine drubbing of the Chiefs that the Buccaneers had. Um, but yeah, I think it did. It did a, similar to the halftime show. It's obviously a spectacle. So anytime you get an entertaining game, um, I think it's always a positive. And, and that certainly was. And there were a lot of storylines. Obviously, like. You know, it's it's anytime you kind of get you know two new guys in the Super Bowl. Sometimes it can be a little bland, but there were storylines galore. And this Bengals team was fun to watch this year, and and the Rams too. Like they they've had their own adversity, and um, you know, proved that that you know putting all the chips in the table and winning now is certainly a bold strategy. But sometimes it does pay off. So you know, good on them. Um, in a shocking turn of events, Aaron and I are going to talk basketball here. Uh, for those of you who don't know. The NBA trade deadline was last week. Um, Aaron's boy, Ben Simmons, finally out of Philadelphia, switching with his very close clone and counterpart, James Harden. Uh, one goes up to Brooklyn, one comes down to Philly, um, and all was right in the world, especially uh, when the you know Sixers are losing by 50 and Harden's dressed like an absolute idiot on the sidelines, which is always a good time. Uh, and Simmons hasn't played – this year yet. So uh, both teams, I think, are, are circuses. Uh, you know, at least you have Embiid and, and Maxi and Maury and guys, you know, like that in, in Philly to stable the franchise. But with Kyrie being there, Durant being hurt still, I think it's a mess up in, in Brooklyn. But give me your takeaways on this trade, Aaron, and then maybe, you know, we'll obviously get into some other NBA trade deadline stuff as it's always a, a fascinating time for, for basketball. 
Yeah, I mean, if you would have told me like three years ago, two, even two years ago, that the Sixers were going to trade Ben Simmons and get James Harden, that would have sounded like like one of the best trades ever. But now it's um, it's kind of I don't know. I look at it like a, you could look at a half glass empty or a half glass full. Uh, you're giving up a guy that's young but refuses to even shoot the ball, so it's like yes. that's a problem. Um, the Philly, the Philly news media and, and the sports media obviously is is absolutely relentless on a guy like Ben Simmons who passes up a wide open dunk. I mean, they're they're just gonna absolutely murder somebody that does that, especially after they collapse in in that series. So I get it. Um, you got to shop him. You got to get rid of him. He, I mean, he wouldn't even show up for you this year. So um, I just think like he he said, you know, a lot of this was was due to mental health, like why he didn't play this year I, I just hey I, I'm not gonna you know speculate and say you know he doesn't have mental health issues this and that but I just feel like he, he's returning to the, or he's playing for the Nets you know the, in the next game I believe or, or you know very soon um, and it's like dude I, if your mental health was was that bad like you he, he could have played this year that's what I'll say it that way he didn't want to face the criticism in my opinion um, he's gonna have to play in Philly I think it's March 10th so that should be an absolute, oh, my goodness. Like, he, he'll he be lucky to get out of there, like, alive, basically. Um, I'll say that. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Sixers give up Seth Curry, Drummond, and two first-round picks. Uh, one that's not even until 2027, which is pretty crazy. Uh, but I don't know, man. I, I, I don't really know if the Sixers won this trade because James Harden is one of those guys where it's like he just seems to cry himself out of every situation also. So you're kind of trading a headache for another one, uh, and you're tra- and he's much older, and he's he's come in out of shape how many times, you know, throughout his career. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but I don't think he's the Houston James Harden anymore. Uh, he's still a very good player, but I don't know. We'll see how this shakes out. I think they should have went out after somebody younger. I, I would have done that, but um, yeah, they obviously get rid of the cancer that is uh, Ben Simmons. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, it, it's, I, your point's taken. I mean, I, it, it, there's always going to be speculation on what he was actually going through internally. Um, it seemed, it seemed like from, and this is just an outsider's perspective, obviously looking in on the situation, it seemed like he just really was unhappy um, with the organization and playing for that team as a whole and, and didn't really vibe well with the teammates. And at times it, and I kind of see a similar thing going on with Kyler Murray right now. Like at times I think that, he felt that he was a scapegoat um, for all of their shortcomings and rightfully so you can, you know, look at his, his shot, his lack of offensive production, obviously his great defense, obviously great passer, fast handles, whatever he, he has all the talent under the sun. It's just the shooting has been his Achilles heel since he's been in, in college, really, to be honest with you, since at LSU. So um, I mean, to, to see Embiid go on, go online and post memes about him. I think everyone in that organization was just better off for a clean break. And, and same thing with, Brooklyn and, and James Harden. Um, I think there were some hard feelings there too. I think he probably felt like he was going to Brooklyn to easily win a title last year and that didn't happen. And, you know, COVID has been a mess for that team, especially with Kyrie when he's been going through and the injuries to Duran and, and Steve Nash has to deal with a lot. Obviously a lot of personalities in the rooms and hopefully cooler heads will prevail, prevail for both organizations because I, I would be very interested in tuning in if these two teams met in the playoffs uh, especially if, if Simmons and Harden and all those guys and Kyrie was playing and 
Durant is healthy and, and you know, Embiid's playing at a high level, I would love to see those two teams match up. Um, but yeah, I think it's in ter- to bring it a circle back around to Simmons, like it just, it's crazy. Like that. I, I hope for his sake, he's okay, but it just seemed like on the outside looking in that he just was really fed up with playing there. And it, as a guy who's making millions and millions and millions of dollars to, to, to sell that to the, you know, stereotypical Philadelphia sports fan in your hometown ta- in your, the town in which you play, I think is just a mess. And you come off as the most selfish human being alive. So uh, like I said, you know, mental health issues aside, I hope he's okay. It's just, it seemed like, and to your point, he was fully able to play. He just didn't want to for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine, like, not everybody is, you know, I've never been in a position, like, we, we, we as outsiders, we've never been in a position where, like, an entire, I mean, pretty much the entire city hated him, you know, or, or you know, feels strongly that, that he made such a bad decision, obviously passing up the dunk, not shooting, going, you know, playing horrible in those playoff games. Like it, the, the pressure that it takes, not everybody can handle that. I, I, I completely understand that. It's just when you completely shut down and don't try, I think that's the absolute worst thing you can do, especially as a, an athlete getting paid millions by, by an organization that took a chance on you from the get-go. So uh, there's two sides of the story, obviously, but uh, Ben Simmons did not do himself any favors or, or make himself look good throughout this entire process. Yeah, no, it's and, and that'll be a, a, probably one of the most fascinating storylines is is those two teams and the success or lack thereof that they'll have with Ben Simmons on on the, the Nets and then in turn James Harden on the 76ers. So it's definitely it's definitely worth watching it and hopefully we'll, you know that that football is over with we can obviously tune into more you know basketball hockey stuff and God knows when baseball is going to start again. But that's a topic for a different day. But but yeah, I mean any, anything else in the trade deadline that caught your eye, Aaron? I mean I was. Personally surprised by the Lakers' lack of moves. I think they're just going to wait for the buyout market. I know uh, they were linked to Goran Dragic, Dragic, if I'm butchering that name, because uh, yeah, I think he's going to get bought out by the Spurs. So they're waiting to take on some some vets who are obviously changing teams there. But any other surprises, um, at least on your end, that came out of the trade deadline? Not, not particularly. I mean, I think, um, like, Porzingis leaving the Mavericks was a little surprising. I mean – I'm, I'm one of the biggest Porzingis haters, if that's even a thing. He just huh. talk about a guy that's just made of glass. A uh, guy just walks on the court and twists his ankle or something. But, um, you know, I, I don't think that's a bad just to off him at this point. Um, yeah, I think this was a little bit before the trade deadline, but uh, C.J. McCollum leaving yeah. uh, the uh, Trailblazers, that that was surprising to me. I mean, that's, that's a team just in absolute, like, disarray I mean I don't even know if, if you're if you're Damian Lillard I don't I, I really I respect the fact that he's so loyal it's so hard to find especially in in basketball a guy that won't leave a franchise but it's it's getting to the point where it's like they had their they had their chance to make a run I'll say that and and they didn't and it's it's only getting worse I think there so um I don't know what you do if you're, you're I think you gotta get out of Dodge if you're Damian Lillard and you you get out of there some way somehow you know, but other than that, man, I mean, I think a lot, a lot, I mean, there were pieces getting moved all over the place, but I think obviously the, the James, if James Harden goes somewhere, it steals the spotlight. And, and obviously Ben Simmons, you know, finally getting that deal to, to go through where, where they get rid of him and get rid of the baggage. Um, that's the biggest storyline I'll say. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. I, I completely forgot about TJ McCollum. It feels like it was years ago, but 
Uh, it seems like they're building up for something bigger in the offseason. Potentially, I could easily see them um, going out there, some bigger fish. And, and this year seems like kind of a moot point for them and kind of a wash. But um, it'll be interesting to see if they even keep Lillard. I'm sure he'll probably request, you know, $50 million or, or trade. I feel like there's really no in between um, for, and then he, I mean, rightfully so, like he's one of the best players in the NBA and um, has basically carried that franchise for, you know, his entire career. So it's, it's worth watching and we'll definitely keep you guys updated as, as obviously we progress. Um, but yeah. Talking basketball for the first time in, in months. Feels good, Aaron. Hey, I mean, we got, Got to keep the listeners, you know, updated on all corners of, of the sports world. I, I don't know if you want to talk about uh, – I mean, your Rangers are still playing good uh, coming off of – Yeah, they uh, – yeah, yeah. big, big shootout W last night. Um, the boys are buzzing. It was our first game. They had the Olympic break, so we played for the first time since early February. Um, and we are still in the thick of a playoff position. It's looking like – Aaron, it, it's looking like we'll probably match up against the Penguins in the first round if uh, – if all holds out, you know, the rest of uh, February, March, and then a little, little bit into April. So that'll be an interesting first-round series. I think we're going to smoke them. Uh, personally, I think uh, Crosby and Malkin are not what they used to be. I think we have too much firepower. And we have the best goaltender in the league. So uh, that's got to count for something. Um, we'll probably get smoked in the second round by either the Hurricanes or the Capitals. But at least we will have somewhat of an easy opponent in the first round. Man, the capital. I mean, I know it's a regular season, but the Capitals have kind of been. I mean, I know that their their goalies have been in and out. Um, I think they're on their third goalie not that long ago. Um, you know, they, they got a uh, their their starter's a former Hershey Bear. There you go. Uh, you know, now now you got to be afraid. Now that you just said that, that's that's enough. Where I'm 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 saying the Capitals. I'm saying, <laughs> man, I'm shaking my boots. <laughs> I got Coco uh, running running us down here. Coco running through that guy's veins. Um, you you bring up the Penguins, <laughs> not not to like you know completely go balls deep in, in the NHL to talk, but you know Crosby scores his 500th yesterday. Obviously that that was one of those things I, I could have put money on and I should have because I mean whenever the the Penguins and Flyers play, it just seems like um, you know there's a lot of action, there's a lot of things going on. So I I should have figured that Crosby would do that against them. Um, that was an exciting game. I mean, Penguins were down at least two to nothing at one point and came back and won that. Yeah. Uh, one team that every time I, I, I tend to watch them, you know, a good bit, I, I put some money on them from here, here and there is, is, is the lightning just because of, you know, they're defending champs, but they really like seem like they're like either a second or third period team. They never really come out of the gate real well when I get to, to watch them, but they, they were, I think they were tied three to three in the second period yesterday and then just absolutely turned on and, and, and put the devils in where they deserve to be uh, in the loss column. Uh, but yeah, that, that was a, a good, good game. Uh, six to three, obviously a lot of scoring there. I, I was right. kind of surprised that, uh, you know, these are, we're, we're breaking down regular season games, but I was a little yeah. surprised that uh, the Sabres were able to beat the Islanders. The Sabres are just not, I've watched them a few times this year and they, they just look like a mess, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean it's uh I think it's just that speaks to the state of the Islanders right now. Honestly, it's uh they need goal scorers, Aaron. They don't have they uh they've given up the least amount of goals in the NHL, but I think they've also scored the least. So uh you do the math on that and you'll find a not not great team. Um obviously they're on on the island. And it, it's music to my ears because 
all these Islander fans are riding high the past few years, back-to-back conference championship losses uh, to uh, to uh, the Tebe Lightning, which you just mentioned, Aaron. So Islander fans are riding high for absolutely no reason. Um, you know, you're only as good as, as what you've done for me lately, and they've really done nothing lately. And they will not make the playoffs this year. They might as well be on the golf course as we speak. Um, Dylan Cousins, who's a young and up-and-coming stud, but the Sabres actually tracked down Brock Nelson, who is a scumbag on the Islanders and cross-checked him from behind and into the boards and phenomenally dirty play, um, of course. But to me, it was just like, hey, man, like this guy doesn't like the Islanders. I don't like the Islanders either, so I like him. So I got a fan for life in uh, Dylan Cousins on the Buffalo Sabres until he does the same thing to one of my Rangers, and then I'll hate his guts. But uh, the Sabres fight hard, man. They lost their captain this year, Jack Eichel. He's actually making his debut for Vegas here in a couple of days. I think actually tonight as we record this, making his debut for Vegas, which is scary because that team's going to be nasty. But, uh, yeah, tough going Buffalo. But, uh, you know, they got a lot of picks. I had the first overall pick last year. They got a stud from Michigan. So, on the up and up, hopefully the next couple of years for for the boys in Buffalo. I'll ask you, I'll ask you one more. How, uh, how good do you think Calgary is? Because every time I seem to watch or, like, pay attention to them, they are just – they can score six goals like a night. It seems like almost. Yeah, they uh, they're good. They're a really good team. Um, they'll be in the playoffs for sure. That's kind of a weaker division out out west. There, um, they had a pretty big rivalry, obviously, with their in province rivals, the Edmonton Oilers. Edmonton and Calgary are like I don't know. I want to say two hours apart in Alberta. Um, maybe the boys in fourteen twenty can break down this rivalry a little, a little bit better than I can. Uh, but yeah, they smoked the Rangers earlier this year. I think it was like six two. Uh, six one or something like that, but they've tailed off a, a tad. I will say um, they do have a massive advantage over most teams in their goaltender, Jacob Markstrom. Uh, for some reason, the Canucks did decide to not re-sign him, so he signed a nice, I think it was six-year, thirty million dollar ticket up there in Calgary. Uh, so he's brave in the cold weather, but also stopping a shit ton of pucks, which is nice to see. They also have Johnny Hockey from New Jersey, Johnny Goudreau from uh, played at BC uh, at Boston College, I believe, and is always lighting the lamp up there. And then they have Keith Kachuk's son, Matthew Kachuk, who's been a pest, but also a good goal scorer up there. Uh, West. So they're, they're a good team. I think more or less so they're kind of a product of the teams they play. Uh, they don't really have a tough schedule, especially in division. But uh, again, like, I mean, wins are hard to come by in the NHL on any given night and they're proven they can, they can obviously do that consistently. The, uh, the coverage you get here with Daniel, I mean, it's, it's, you're not getting anywhere else. I'll say that. We might uh, we might do a side uh, hockey podcast. Really honest hockey. Oh, that that's the opportunity to just listen to that. It's it should it should <laughs> cost a lot of money, but it doesn't. That'll be a, that'll be a pay per view. That, that that won't <laughs> be free to the to the listeners. I'll tell you that much. We're, we'll start a Patreon. You know what I mean? It's 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 in the works, but exactly. No, I, I think we pretty much touched on on really everything. I mean, the Super Bowl was, was the heavy. Heavy hitter today. Uh, obviously, yep. just off of that, but um, yeah, I think we we rounded we rounded the corner of all the sports. Baseball is, continues to be in a lockout, so we're gonna yep. pretend like that's not even happening. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I personally am excited to get into. I mean, we have free agency in the NFL coming up here in about a month. Combine draft talk, obviously, in two months, and then. Yeah, I think uh, maybe we dive deeper into baseball, see what's going on there. Um, came out today that Juan Soto actually declined a deal from the Nationals, which is pretty funny. Uh, so, yeah, there's some rumblings coming out of baseball. I think there's some preliminary talks between the league and the Players Association. So, 
hopefully at some point uh, they get a deal signed. The Yankees could actually sign some people and, and field a good roster. And then all will be right in the world once we're World Series champions again. Um, but Aaron, phenomenal show. As you said, touched on a lot, a lot more to come obviously as we dive into the NFL offseason and, and the other three major sports. But uh, in the meantime, why don't you take us home? Yeah, as, as always, we appreciate the listeners. We're trying to pump out content. Obviously, it'll be a, a little bit different. Obviously, the, the, the games are over and everything are wrapped up in the NFL, but uh, we'll continue to hit you with, with whatever we can. And, and we always appreciate the loyalty and, and, and the support. So, um, yeah, that pretty much wraps up, at least for today. And we'll, we'll get back with you guys either later this week or, or definitely next week. Take us home.